Hello everybody, it is your favorite host here, Tino Kildip, with a new episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life? This week... We get into the third installment of this R&B formula that I've been putting together. Um, if you guys have listened to the first two weeks so far of this formula, uh, you guys have heard me talk about Neo, and uh, you guys have heard me talk about The Weeknd. Both really amazing artists, right? Both have accomplished so much and continue to keep breaking barriers with what they're doing. And I feel like that's something I do have to correct because... In the weekend episode, I was speaking on Neo briefly, and I had mentioned that Neo couldn't adapt to modern style as well, or at least hadn't proved it yet. Um, Well, I should have held my breath a little bit longer before saying that, uh, because (laughs) this past Friday, um, Neo released a new album, and it's really really fucking good. <laughs> I, w- I was very thoroughly impressed with it. it. It's it's modern R&B, but it's grown, you know, and it's it's really what the R&B game needs. It's, it's so necessary because what Neo is starting to do now, and, and again, so it's still, it still keeps, you know, Neo where he's at, definitely, but it just adds this new level to him because, um, you know, the weekend is is a top forty guy, right? Like he's always going to be in the top forties, at least for now, for the time being. You know, it just doesn't see him really coming down from that that scaled positioning. But this position that Neo has now gotten himself into, where I say it's modern, but it's grown, is because it does have the 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 sounds, right? That the textures almost of you know what modern R and B like kind of trap soul is, you know, like the Bryson Tillers, the Tory Lanes, the you know the the artists of that in the world. Um, but he's giving us more of a grown take on it. And there are a few modern artists who I feel like kind of fall into that category. Like one for me is Giveon. Really, I'm such a huge fan of Giveon. I love Giveon so much. Um, he, he's such, but he's such a great example for that, right? Like very grown R&B, but it's very, very modern. And uh, that's, that's the same as what this album that Neo has put together falls in that category. And it, it's just so well done. And I was really happy with that, especially when I, I kind of spoke about like depths, like people singing from their soul and, you know, things like that. And, and I'll say this, you know, Neo really got like more sexual in, in, on this album, I feel like, than, you know, albums in the past. And again, that's that's more to the modernness of it. But where he falls into this category now, like in a, in a legend sense, is we look back on the early 2000s, right? And there was so much great R&B during that time. You know, you had the Brian McKnight's already come in from the 90s, the Tyrese's. Um, and as you got into the 2000s, you got into like the Music Soul Childs, the Avants, you know, and it was a really, you know, great time. Um, and they were making grown music, you know. That's kind of what uh, 
that's kind of what Neo's doing now, right? He's he's creating this kind of this this layer for himself that's just like it, it's solidifying, right? It, I I don't really know how to explain it much better than that. Where you know you reach this kind of I, okay, at least I, I should say like opinion wise, I feel like you reach this point in your career where you know so many ceilings have been broken, and at this point, like you can't really wow people anymore. You know, they, they already know everything you're capable of. So, you know, finding new ways to, you know, break barriers are, it's really hard. And it, and they, ha- and at the, at some point they almost become subtle because you, you don't realize what, what they're doing to get in with that time. Right. So, so, so like a, like a long time Neo fan can probably listen to this newer Neo album and not necessarily be a fan of what Neo did because maybe it feels like he quote unquote sold out or something like that. But what I think about it as is him adapting with the times. It's kind of like what Hove does, you know, and like in the rap game, like when these new styles and trends come in, he, he really has to find a way to, you know, um, still keep to himself, but adapting to these, you know, these ties. So what you find is this sound that it's, it's, um, it's modern, but it's still old school, right? Like, like a new generation hearing it would probably still acknowledge the fact that the artist is of an older age than of one themselves. Uh, it, it's in the way they speak, right? The way they write. So that that's definitely Neo. And, you know, that album is so great. So if you guys have a chance, go back and listen to Neo's album. Um, but I feel like where this goes into a really good transition now is because this leads into this week's artist. And this artist, I feel like, has solidified that spot a, a pretty good a pretty good amount of time ago um, and just continues to poke at it, you know, just keeps just keeps chiseling to to create that foundation more solid than ever. And that artist, ladies and gentlemen, is Usher, Mr. Usher Raymond. And, um, you know. I've been such a huge fan of Usher since I was a kid. Usher was the very first R&B artist that I really got into. He was the first I ever heard. I'll tell you my very first memory of this because this really was my introduction into a world like no other when it came to music. So when I was a kid, you know, um, my stepmom came into my life when I was like almost six years old. And, you know, at that time, uh, it was pretty much just me, my dad, and my stepmom at this time. Um, and, you know, I would kind of listen to a lot. Pretty much the only music I could I would really listen to is the music that my stepmom would listen to, which she was white. <laughs> she was a white, white woman from Minnesota. So, you know, she loved country. And uh, 90s country in, in particular was definitely very, like, a primary thing in my household um, at that point. So... You know, it was a lot of what I heard. You know, once, like, um, I started, like, you know, hanging out, like, when I, you know, I was seeing my mom more, uh, you know, once I was, like, six and beyond, um, you know, my mom listened to a lot of, like, Motown oldies and things like that. So I definitely did get different tastes. But when I was, you know, how old was I? So, you know, it's crazy because it, it's crazy to think I was this young at, at the time, but I had I had to still be about six or seven you know, so getting exposed to so many different types of music, um, already, I was 
kind of, you know, good with what I was hearing. You know, I, I didn't feel like I had to go and really explore too much more. But one day I went into my brother's room um, and my brother was watching the My Way music video from Usher. It was the first time I ever seen Usher. It was the first time I ever heard R&B, really, you know? Um, and I was blown away by it. I was like, who's this? You know, he told me who it was. And uh, I, I got that album. I had that album at a very young age. And I knew that. I knew. I still know that album front to back. Every that every track on that album, including the like, I could probably do the full extended edit version of uh, "You Make Me Wanna," which was like, uh, like because the song itself is already like three and a half minutes, and you know they do this like extended play that goes for like seven and a half, and I probably know ninety percent, if not a hundred percent, of like that full like extended play, so. I've been a huge fan. And after, you know, he dropped uh, My Way, because My Way was actually his second project. That's the that's crazier thing. I didn't know this at the time. So he had had a, he had had a first album that was released. Um, I forgot the name of it, but he, he was really young. He was like 14 or something like that when it came out. And uh, it was a very controversial album because uh, it was overly sexualized for him still being a teenager. Um, but, you know, something that, they, something that like, it's kind of funny. I don't really even know if I want to talk about it too much, but you know, I kind of found as I was like looking back a lot of that early time, uh, from when Usher released his first album to when he released my way, uh, that tends to be a little blacked out from things, you know? Um, and I feel like a lot of that has to be dealt with what he was exposed to. Um, you know what I mean? He like the, the, the music industry itself is a very, you know, crazy world. And there's a lot of crazy shit that goes on behind it. And a lot of people, you know, who get themselves involved know kind of what I'm speaking on here. And so I don't really want to go too much into it other than the fact that, you know, sometimes people get put into situations and when they're of that young of age, they don't really know how to comprehend them. So, um, you know, releases his first album very over-sexualized and the masses, you know, very much critiqued it because of how young he was, you know, somebody that young shouldn't be talking about such sexual acts. I agree. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he releases my way. And at this point he's, he's 19 and, uh, you know, the, the album was just amazing. Uh, he had, you make me want to, um, nice and slow, and My Way, all three were uh, Billboard hits off of that album. Um, not to mention, there's a really amazing duo with him and Monica um, on there. What's really great about this point in time, and if you guys look back in like that 96 to 99 era, was there was a record label called Arista. And this was the record label that um, signed Usher and My Way was released under. Um, it was owned by L.A. Reid. And L.A. Reid is like this big, you know, music Mongol guy. I don't even know if he's still in the industry now, but he was very prominent during those times. And um, he was responsible for finding a lot of artists. So during that Arista era, there were so many R&B artists that came from that era. Uh, more primarily women than anything else. But, you know, like they were responsible for so much. And with L.A. Reid, he worked with Jermaine Dupri. Uh, I think Jermaine Dupri was like, I don't know if he was related to him or if there was just like 
because Jermaine Dupri was already kind of in the music industry through like his family, like I believe it was his dad. So man, I'm getting through like a whole web of things here. But, um, but basically, right. The reason why I say this is because Arista would have like, uh, Monica was one, uh, Brandy was another, uh, God, what other artists did they have? But they just, um, TLC, um, you know what I mean? They had so, they were solely responsible for so much R and B during that time. Um, and like I said, it's really crazy because again, this introduction sparked a lot into Usher because after my way, he released 8701 and the whole premise about 8701 was, it was the year he, um, like the year of his birth and then the year he really felt, or not the year of his birth. It was like the year he found music and then like the current year that it was because he felt like he had reached like a new level of himself. So, you know, like 87 was the year he like found music and then like 01 was the year he's like, I mastered this. And, um, you know, 8701 is an amazing project. You, you know, you look at, uh, you remind me, um, you don't have to call, uh, you got it bad. Um, dude, there was so many songs on that album. And, you know, with these first two albums, right, with My Way and uh, 8701, I, my personal favorite songs on both of those albums were not hits. They weren't like radio hits. Um, and it's funny because when, at this time, when new albums would come out, I would love to listen to them right when they did because I didn't want, I, I would want to find out two things. Was my favorite song going to be a radio hit? And um, if I can pinpoint which one I knew wasn't going to be, but was kind of my personal favorite at the same time. But what would, what I would find is, you know, during that time, my favorite songs would never be the hits. Now, that's not that's not to say that that's probably not true for now. Like when I when I listen to projects now, I pretty much know instantly which ones are going to be radio hits and then which ones I can kind of just be like, oh, man, that sucks that this one wouldn't be because I really like this one. That's kind of where my train of thought goes now. And that's a whole different conversation. But with Usher on uh, my way, uh, track number nine, uh, it's like the second to last one, um, is a song called one day you'll be mine. And, uh, the, the sample that's used in there is the same exact one that's in, um, today was a good day by ice cube. So when you hear the beat, you're like, this is today was a good day by ice cube, but he's singing over it. And it's such a great song. Like, the melody he chose, how he just kept it there, his runs, like hit that song is one that I've tried to like use as vocal warmups because like this guy is a master when it comes to vocal control and how he does his vocal runs is just, it astounds me. So like in this song in particular, like he does this run. Um, he's like, I know one day you'll be mine. Like, yeah, I can't even do it. Like, cause he goes, he literally scales upwards first and then brings it back down, but goes like slightly back up momentarily and then brings it all the way back down and finishes. And the way he does it is just effortless. He does not struggle to do this. Another artist that could be put in that kind of category as far as their vocal control is Chris Brown. But one, Chris Brown hasn't been doing this for as long as uh, Usher has. I mean, yes, he's been doing it for a long time, but he hasn't been doing this for as long as Usher. And... Like I said, just the the ability to be able to 
cater to this because like i said now we're, we're looking at longevity over time so i'm talking about in the beginning first parts and talking about what he was able to establish at this point but we know where usher's at now so knowing like like i said back in 01 was kind of the point where he was already taking the r&b like game to like another level that there was a lot of time still to grow since then you know, and after 8701, uh, he releases Confessions, which, you know, if anybody follows his career a lot and kind of what I was speaking to earlier, you know, Arista was responsible for introducing, you know, Usher to a lot of what the music industry had to offer. And one thing in particular was other females. <laughs> and so he ended up meeting Chili from TLC and they ended up hitting it off, you know. And so, like, from there, they became a couple, you know, he... They, like their relationship was, you know, like one that in the media, people were like, oh my God, this is, you know, a power couple in a way. Like It's like the, you know, it's like, this is TLC's like lead singer. And then, you know, the head guy in, in R&B right now. So, um, they, there was a lot there and, you know, Usher at the time admitting, you know, admittingly looking at it, he would say that, you know, he was young, he was young and he was dumb and he ended up, you know, cheating on her. And not only did he cheat on her, but one of the females that he was cheating that he was cheating on her with, he ended up getting pregnant. Um, and so, yeah, he and so, like I said, it's already crazy enough this story that at the time wasn't really publicized, but you could find it if you were looking into it because it was very like out there knowledge because Chili had gotten public with it at one point too, just because of how she was dealing with it. So there was a lot of like media chaos during this time when they broke up and, you know, they kind of did address it, which is why, like, if you watch like the, you got it bad video and stuff, like she's in the video, even though like it's about their breakup. So it was kind of something she really, you know, I don't, I guess embraced, but I, I could imagine it, it probably still took its toll on her, but you know, it, it was crazy because then he releases Confessions and then Confessions is like a whole album basically talking about these mistakes, right? Going into the actual Confessions itself, into the interlude and then into like uh, part two. And it's just like this whole stream of just admittance of just guilt and shame and just trying to become a better man now that you've shattered this image of yourself that, you know, that you've created, you know what I mean? You, you made yourself appeal to the world that you were unbreakable and then you broke. And that's a part of being human, man. And that's a part of being man. You know what I mean? Like being a man is, is, is difficult because, you know, we're not kind of built with this emotional intelligence right off the bat where we're told that us as men expressing our emotions shows that we're weak. And that sucks because if you don't properly manage your emotions, you become more, uh, rec like basically just more reckless of a person. You know, you start, you start picking up bad habits and things trying to find relief. Um, and like I said, you start hiding things more. So guilt becomes more, more of a thing. Shame becomes more of a thing. And you, and you try to find these ways to cope with things, but you're not actually resolving any of these issues. So like when you look at confessions, that was him doing that. That was him laying out everything and, you know, him accepting all of that. You know what I mean? That's why like burn was in there. Like he had to understand that it's like, maybe even if I could win you back, like, I, I don't really deserve to have you, you know, like, I think that's the crazy thing when people listen to burn, you know, I think the way that they always like interpret it is, um, 
oh, you know, like you lost something that was so like close to you. And so like, you know, you got to let it burn when it's gone. But what burn is really about is when you have to get rid of something that you probably still could have because it's for the betterment, right? Like he himself wasn't right as a man. And so realistically, he knew that if he was wrecked, like, you know, reckless of a person enough to hurt her once, he definitely was, you know, just as reckless to do it again until he changes who he is as a person, you know? And so he, so he knows him leaving and finding himself is going to be the, the answer for that. But what sucks is when you, when you do like when you do that, you're chancing losing that person. And that was something that he was coming to realize, coming to the realization of, and just knew that it's like me holding on to you is only going to hurt you. So I have to leave and basically just kind of live with the idea that maybe this may never come to. And so that's really like when you understand that full concept of that song, it, it really does add to the story of it. Um, and so like when I talked about in last week with The weekend, and I'm talking about his his efforts in um, albums and transitions and things like that, Usher, you know, he didn't have that same kind of freedom, right? He has to abide by a record label who owned probably most of his creative rights. So for him to even allow as much of himself as he can into this music, there has to be um, acceptance on the people who control the distribution of it. So, you know, I always find that when... um, I listened to his albums. It's really interesting because the first few songs, like the I, the first three or four songs, um, there's going to be a radio hit in there. So usually the first, like I, I would even venture to say the first two because he either opens up with it or it's like the second hit. But the reason why I say the first four is because there's a, there's a possibility that he's like hitting you with back to backs. Like, uh, because in confessions, uh, like there's, you know, this intro, it's just like this like really soft intro that he's just kind of talking in. And he kind of does the same thing in 8701 as well, too. And uh, so when, so then in like 8701, then after that, it goes into uh, You Remind Me, which was a radio hit. In Confessions, it goes to Yeah, which was a, a huge radio hit. Like it, it was a classic. It, that, that is a classic hit because pretty much everybody knows that song. It's a song that you're going to hear on, you know, throwback radio stations for decades to come. And, you know, it's that type of song. And the reason why I can say that comfortably is because it's already been, you know, two decades since it's released and it's still being like played heavily, uh, like on throwback, uh, play like stations, almost two decades. Like literally, I, I think, well, that that song came out in 04, right? Like, even if it was, like, yeah, like, 04. Came out, had to came out, like, 04. And so we're, we're looking at coming into its 19th year pretty soon. Like, that's crazy, you know? And it still gets, like, crazy play. But then after that, you know, like, uh, I think there's, like, two more songs. And then it goes into, like, that cluster of confessions, right? Like the, the part one, which includes like the interlude part in the second verse. But then after that, it leads into confessions part two, where it continues into all these confessions. And then like, man, dude, <sighs> confessions was so good because after he gets to the confessions part, like portion of it, right after burn, then he creates this whole story. He created a whole story, like this, like movie that like you could be put together with like caught up and, um, uh, fucking red light 
district or some shit. So it's like he literally like in this album, right? Like in confessions in particular, um, follows that suit, right? Like let's, let's have a radio hit somewhere in the first four tracks. Um, and that way he gives the, you know, what he, what he's supposed to there. But then he's able to put these confessions in there where it just really was an authentic part of himself. It was a lot of it. And the thing is, record labels love that shit. They love when you fucking air out your grievances and talk about how imperfect of a person you are. They fucking love it. So as an artist, getting that shit cleared takes no time or effort because you're being vulnerable. That's what they love about it. So. Um, you know, you put it there in the middle and then the whole end of it, he ends up like recreating this movie out of, like I said, like you literally can find it on Amazon prime. I'm blanking on the name right off the top of my head. But if you really like look up like a Usher movie or something like that, like it's going to come up and it's like this, like this, like 15 minute, like short movie, but it's just like a stream of music videos. And I, I talk about this a lot because, and if this sounds familiar to anybody who actually listens to my podcast, because it was the idea of from that movie that sparked Hollywood for me. I've watched that movie so like a lot when I was a kid and I low key remembered it when I started putting together this album. And because I, because as Hollywood started getting put together, I was like, the, you know, when you really think about the concepts of each song and how everything flows, how much I, I tried to focus on the transitional like parts of it to, to beats being, you know, damn near like, like flipped <laughs> of one another. And, you know, like endings of like phrases into the beginnings of new songs, like just, just a whole bunch of shit really. And so like when I look at, so when I watched this movie, it took like four or five of these songs from confessions and created this movie out of it. And I was like, you know, that's really dope. But like I said, Hollywood itself is already a movie. Like I'm making a movie with just the album itself. So Usher was a huge inspiration for that. He was the biggest inspiration for that because this man always found a way to challenge his creativity, his, his artistry. So it's like, Imagine that, like, imagine going my way. That's hitting its 25th anniversary, and that's why he released this tiny desk that he did, the NPR tiny desk, which is phenomenal. Please, everybody and their moms go watch it, like, several times so you guys can catch just the amazingness of how this man sings, performs, engages with crowds. Like, it was a masterclass in performance, in a, and especially in an intimate setting. It's really, it's really difficult because in intimate settings, you're, you know, your vocals are everything, so you fuck up on singing, you fuck up your words, you do all this shit, you, you're fucked. But Usher was up there confident as hell, like had a few moments where he kind of slipped up and giggled, but never let it face him. It was just a, it was a fun time. Like he was in there having fun with everybody and just amazing people at the same time. So even when I'm talking about with these little like mess ups, it was nothing that like, like what I talk about in particular is like when he does uh, confessions, he does this part that became like a meme. You guys can find it everywhere. And he's just like the, yeah, yeah, like this, like this. And he like kind of like waves like his like fingers over his eyes. And like I said, if you guys look it up, it's a whole big TikTok trend right now. And, um, you know, he's, but what they usually cut out is the part where he, you know, broke out in laughter right after doing it because he understood how ridiculous it looked it, and it was meant to be that way, but it was funny. And it was a funny moment that he had in this really amazing set. And it became a trending topic. Like that's where this man is at in his life, that things that he does just normally 
now become trending topics. Like this guy pops up on my timeline all the time, like doing roller skating videos and shit like that. Because like, uh, I don't know if he owns a roller skate rink or if he just constantly goes to one, um, out in Atlanta. But, um, yeah. And he, and so like with Usher too, um, man, I feel like I really did kind of stumble out of the place here. So, (laughs) so yeah. So when, so when Usher completed Confessions, right? Because I know that's kind of where I slipped off from. Um, you know, you just kind of see this like stream of albums afterwards that weren't as great as these first three albums, um, but all had hits on them. You know, he he had hit. He's had hits for decades, and so you know, you, you think about songs like you know probably a lot of songs that people forget about, like uh, "Love in This Club." you know, which there was a remix of that also did really, you know, that was also really successful. Um, you know, there goes my baby, which is a song that I love like so much. Um, you know, moving mountains. I didn't care for that song if I'm being honest, but I know it was a very popular song. Um, you know, man, uh, there, there's a lot, you know, and I and I can name them all. And I always tell people, I'm like, I could make a versus list with, like, just Usher and going off of, like, hits and things like that. But also the, the songs that I just know are, are better, you know what I mean? And I'm like, there's not too many artists that you could put up against that, that catalog. Um, like I said, he, he's really put himself up there with the elites. Like, it's it's really, really hard to put anybody up against Usher. Like, um, and so it's why I hold him so high on, on this formula. You know, like this man produces runaway hits like that's a that's a feat in and of itself. Right. Like I said, like I think he has fuck like 13 albums, maybe like something like that, you know, because there's like a few that like really didn't like do too well. But again, other big songs like I just thought thought about like, oh, my God, or uh, DJ got us falling in love like that was just a club hit, like maybe like five years ago. You know what I mean? Like, this man found a way to just keep moving with the times and create something. Last year, last year, he had a, he had, a, Summer Walker redid uh, You Make Me Wanna. It call, uh, it's called Come Through, and he's on it. Like, was still on the radio hits, like, then. And so, like, now this year, uh, it's the 25th anniversary of My Way, and uh, in Vegas, he has a residency, so he does this like, um, oh man, what's it called? Uh, so like, I, so I seen it and, uh, there's not too many show dates for it. That's kind of the shitty thing. So like when you look at anybody else who's done their residencies out here, like Lady Gaga or like, um, fucking, you know, even like Celine Dion and all them, like there's a regular schedule that they would be when they're out here. You know what I mean? Like the Shania Twain's like the fucking, all of them, they all have like quite a bit of like ways in which you can see them or even like, well, when I say Gaga, right. Cause hers was a limited time one as well. Um, but she had hella shows. Like it was like for a month straight, you could see her, you know what I mean? Like, and even though it's like mostly the weekend, like there were still like three or four opportunities per week, but there's like, I think like 15 or 20 total shows (laughs) for this one. Like that's like not, and it's like over the span of like two months. So it's like August, there's like a, like a week's worth of shows or two. I think it's like, like, because again, they're only weekends. So it's like three showings, like six showings over the span of two weeks or some shit like that, like six or seven showings. And then, then a month later comes back and does the same thing again. And I think that's it. So I was like, what the fuck? So, uh, so like the ones, like the last ones already sold out. 
And, you know, the I'm pretty sure these ones are going to sell out, too, because it, it is going to be a pretty intimate setting. Like, these aren't meant to be, like, so many people there. And for me, I'm like, I would give anything to be in that room, like, one of those showings. So something that I started doing was I created um, this series of TikToks uh, that I've been putting up daily. Um, I'm on day number 12 currently at the time of this recording, and... Um, I basically am just trying to ask Usher for tickets to one of these shows. Like, I would love to do one of the meet and greets more, more particularly, but you know, those ones are like fifteen hundred a piece. Like, like literally fifteen hundred is the cheapest meet and greet, and it like it's like a package deal that you get like a room and everything like that. So, and I'm like, I can't fucking afford that, dude. Like, and you know, so like. In the midst of all this, and, and fuck it, dude, I'm just going to be honest and put it all out there anyways, because again, only people who really deserve to hear this are those who really listen to it. It's like, I, I lost my job last week, and so, you know what I mean? I I went, did this battle in, in San Diego, came back, ended up having car issues, couldn't make it to my job, and my job said, you know, fuck it, there's nothing we can do about it. So I said, all right, fuck y'all then. So, you know, I, I've been, I'm not going to lie, I've just been dealing with a lot of shit, but... Even with all that being said, man, like, I, I, w- I would give anything to be there, you know? So in my head, like, I don't care about this Hail Mary shot that I'm taking if he even does see it. I, to me, it's better than no, you know, no chance at all, right? And, and realistically, I need to create more content anyways on TikTok. So this allows me to keep being involved daily while I still try to, you know, create more content for what I'm trying to do because um, I do have a Tino Killed It Radio Nation page that I'm also trying to like get back up and going now that the football season is going to be starting so I'm going to be updating with like player updates you know like predictions like things like that that are you know football related but back to the music portion um, you know I I have been doing this you know daily thing where I, I just sing Usher songs so I just be like hey this is day number one I'm trying to get Usher tickets and it's like here's an Usher song, you know, day number two and, and I'm singing all of them. So like I said, I'm on day 12. I can do this shit all month long. So I'm like, I plan on doing every day I possibly can until I either run out of songs. And I don't care at that point, like I said, I'll start going into the archives and pulling shit that like people don't listen to. Cause on 8701, my favorite song is twerk it out. And that is not nearly in like the top, like 30 of Usher songs. But if I have to go into the 40s, best believe it's going to fucking be in there. Um, but I'm not going to give up on this one because, again, it's great content for me to have for my TikTok. But also because it just kind of gives me some some hope to hold on to, you know, realistically. <laughs> like, you know, with so with so much shit, just I, I feel like kind of when, when you feel like shit kind of topples up against you sometimes, like it, it does suck to kind of put, you know, maybe potentially more fal- false hope into something. Um, and this being such a shot in the dark at the same time, I'm just like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but fuck it. You know, like might as well try like that. Like literally the, the only thing you like, the only time you really fail is when you stop trying. That's the only time you fail. You know what I mean? Cause you can't fail while you're still going. That doesn't happen. So you could really only fail if you quit. So this is something I'm going to be very adamant about and kind of keep it up. Um, but yeah, all in all, this is exactly why Usher is, you know, such a huge part of this formula. He created a lane at such a young age. And like I said, he influenced me from such a young age. And I know there's a lot of people who are influenced by Usher 
but you know, it's my formula. So like I talk about like how much this man really helped me in landscaping who I would be. Um, and so I'm really, you know, like I, I know it's a shot in the dark, but man, dude, if I, if I end up getting these, these fucking usher tickets to, to go see this man, like for the 25th anniversary, um, yo, that y'all really don't know how special that would mean. Like how much that shit would feel life changing to me, you know? So if you guys want to help me out with that, um, if you guys have TikTok, you guys can follow at Tino killed it on there and uh, you guys will see that I've been doing this. Um, and so before I close out this episode, um, I kind of want to leave you guys with this, with one of the days again. So as of this day, it was day 12 and I'm not going to lie. I, after I recorded it, I like send it to my friends. I'm like, Hey, I'm actually pretty proud of this one. Uh, so I want to share it with you guys. And so this was my day 12. It's only the audio of the TikTok that I did. And again, you guys can find this on my TikTok at Tino Killed It. Day number 12. Um, But yeah, this was the Confessions Interludes. Hey, man, I can't do this right now. I'm recording a TikTok. No, I just got to fucking record this shit real quick. Wait, what? (laughs) Nah, man, that can't be. For real? that on everything hey let me call you back yeah man I'm gonna have to call you back alright every time I was in LA I was with my ex-girlfriend every time you call I tell you baby I'm working I was out doing my dirt one thing about you getting hurt I was in a hand in Beverly Center like man Not giving a damn who sees me So gone, so wrong Like I didn't have you sitting at home Thinking about me, being the good girl that you are So you probably believe you got a good man Knowing that you wouldn't do the things I'm about to tell you are done Brace yourself, it ain't good but It would be even worse if you heard this from somebody else This is Tino Killed It Signing off from another episode Of What the Fuck Am I doing with my life?